Hello, I'm Alex. I'm James. And I'm Dan. We're the Ragamuffins, and this is the Ragamuffin Music Podcast, episode 34. It's a place for us to talk about the music we love. I threw myself off because I just said a really... Said it in a completely different way that time. Yes. And that really just I distracted myself. 34 episodes in and you're changing it all. Switching it up now, yep. Um, 34 was the magic number. Welcome. Number. Said all 34-year-olds. It's where we talk about the latest news, music <laughs> and trends in alternative music. This month, we are reviewing brand new albums from Blink-182 and Beartooth, as well as singles from Bring Me The Horizon, Spirit Box and Tala. And later on, we'll be discussing whether the concept of albums is dying out. But first, some news. Breaking news. Uh, we can call Bingo straight away. Bingo! Mike Portnoy is back in Dream Theatre. How's... After a number of years, I can't remember. Um... How? <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? That's funny. You well, I've got a full house now. We've had that many Mike Portnoy mentions. Oh, that's true, probably. I've it? filled out my card. That's it. You've won. You've won Mike Portnoy What do Bingo. I win? Uh, Dream Theatre reuniting. Yeah. Oh, excellent. <laughs> Um, they are recording their first album since Black Clouds and Silver Linings in 2009 with Portnoy. Um, there's a whole statement out. This is breaking news today. Um, Alex sent it to me immediately. And I think both of us potentially, maybe him a little bit of a swaying, would go and see them on tour. Um, At a festival, 100%. Yeah? Yeah. And I think if the tour is reasonably priced <laughs> and reasonably located. Yeah then I'd probably go. <laughs> if all of these specific things happen, <laughs> then and I will go. If they play in my back garden, I'll be there, probably. If they play The Spirit Carries On, you'll be there? For sure. Um, they've done a whole statement. They've thanked Mike Mangini, and he's said his own words in there about how he was just holding a place, really, essentially, because I think we all thought this was coming after Portnoy and Petrucci started playing together again, especially with Portnoy drumming on the album, and kind of just bit by bit, they were all kind of meeting up, and I think James Labrie was probably the last factor involved in this and here we are dream theater are back this is a niche one for for all two dream theater fans that listen to our podcast but let us know in the comments who you wanted to and all two dream theater fans <laughs> in the room in, in the, on the podcast who let us know in the comments who you wanted to win the dream theater auditions back in the day because i wanted thomas lang to win mm, marco anyone i knew you're gonna say yeah that. straight away i have no idea what you're talking about no you don't but with Dream Theatre's back, Dan, and we're happy. Dream I'm, I'm happy for you. Thank you very much. In other news, uh, the long-awaited collaboration between Korn and Adidas is now on sale as of October 27th. The collection includes t-shirts, a hoodie, tracksuit, and two pairs of shoes. All of these pieces have some kind of Korn logo on. Ever since Korn released the song Adidas back in 1996, I feel like this was kind of coming eventually. Um, well, plus, that, that was their style as well. Yeah. Like tracksuits and that. So it's almost like full circle in a way, isn't it? Yeah, need to own some. Need to get something from it, I think. The shoes are pretty cool, to be mm. fair. Mm. Uh, former Slipknot vocalist Anders Kolsefni has been on tour playing the band's demo album, Mate Feed, Kill Repeat, in its entirety in Australia and New Zealand. Videos have surfaced of some of these performances, which give a glimpse into the origins of the legendary band before the lineup changes to what we know today, really. He missed the missed chance there to say uh, videos have been surfacing. Oh, shit. <laughs> You got me there, Dan. You got me there. Brilliant. Um, we'll cut that and you can just you say, can it, say it now and we can just put it in. Videos have been surfacing for some of their performances, which give a glimpse into the origins of the legendary band. That's better. And yeah, incredible stuff to be fair. Yet to be known if there are going to be any other dates apart from these ones in Australasia, but who knows? Anything can happen. 
Finally, a new Guitar Hero game has been hinted at during a recent meeting with game developers Activision Blizzard, who were recently acquired by Microsoft. Activision CEO Bobby Kotick said the re-emergence of Guitar Hero and other things would not be possible without the different types of resources. And so, you know, just the endless possibilities for the future that are just incredibly exciting. The possibility of VR technology being involved was also mentioned, and let's hope we hear more news of this soon. So, Guitar Hero VR, so you can get booed off stage and have it feel real <laughs> and have it completely crush your self-esteem. Like it wasn't excellent enough. <laughs> On the flip side, the cheers in VR that you could get if you nail something. I, th- I think you're, um, you have too much faith in my Guitar Hero abilities, James. Well, there may be something coming to the channel soon, so maybe we'll get to see this in person. And you can see me, like, crash out on medium difficulty. <laughs> it's been maybe, what, at least 10 years? Maybe even more. Could, should we all maybe say one song from the last 10 years that we think would be a really cool addition to the game? That's good. Doomsday. Mm. That's a good shout. There's so many to choose from. I would pick maybe one of, like like, a... A relatively new while she sleeps song where Sean's doing like really some fucky like some of the whammy stuff. Whammy stuff. Yeah. You all you need? Yeah, that'd be really mm. sick. Yeah, I don't know. There's li- I could there's I could choose literally every song. Yeah, any I could song. ponder that for quite some time. Maybe that's a discussion topic. We we choose our guitar hero set list and pop it down in the comments below. What Brilliant would, what would you like to see? On, on in fact, that? yeah, fuck the album thing. We're gonna do guitar <laughs> hero. Gonna, gonna do guitar hero set list today. No, we're not. Next time. <laughs> let, if, if it's something you want to see, then let us know. And that's the news. That's the news. Should we talk about some previous album recommendations? Yeah, let's. I'd love to see that. Can't remember what I recommended, though. <laughs> James, what did you recommend? I recommended Hybrid Theory by Linkin Park. Just a fucking bang. Struck there for the Yeah, there's not, not really much to say, is yeah. there? Just a nice chance to revisit a, a classic album, I think, really, wouldn't it? It is a classic, um, although to put a... Because none of us can really criticise it, mm, but no. it has aged a little. Like, yeah. it's very nostalgia-driven. Like, if those songs were released by a band today, you'd be like, all right. It's, it's very much it's a glimpse fine. into that early 2000s. Yeah. But for what it was there, to be like, not necessarily the first to do it, but to be nailing that style mm. excellent mm-hmm. I think listening to this album I mean it's one of my personal all time favourite albums anyway but you, you like there are so many big singles right that you just forget like the how good all the deep cuts are as well yeah. like all the deep cuts could easily be singles yeah they hold their own that there. exactly flawless album love it Alex what did you recommend I recommended 27 Miles Underwater by Higher Power. Um, yeah, I know. Been obsessed. <laughs> you know, you were there. Been obsessed with them uh, for, well, since we saw them at Burn It Down, really. Um, and then got obsessed with the album. So I thought I'd recommend it. I think this is another one of those albums where you've got to like listen to it a few times, but also you've got to see it live to get it. Yeah. That's what once said. And maybe you've got to see them live a couple of times to get it. But once you get it, my boy, do you get it? Yeah, I think I've seen them live like four times now. And it was the fourth time where it, it all just clicked for me. And I was like, sick as fuck. And then, yeah, once you kind of, once it like clicks with your brain, for me at least, it's then just like album on loop. 
Yeah, and it's another one of those albums where, like, each song could have been a single. Yeah. Like, they've all got something about them. Like, hooks for days. Just so much fun. Yeah, and I think it, it's quite... Um, it's reflective of what, like, a lot of hardcore does now, where it's not just... Like, there's there's so many different other, like, flavours and genres going on. Like, there's hardcore and punk, but then there's also kind of, like, grunge and alternative rock. Kind of... Um, conjures up the same sort of feelings to me as like the Military Gun album mm. in the yeah. sense that it's like I would say like just if I had to, if someone asked me what band are, what a higher power like I'd say they're a hardcore band but there's so, so many more layers to them I think which is what makes this album interesting for me personally I struggled a bit more with it um, I just found a lot of it sounded quite the same and not as diverse um, and nothing really stood out to me that felt unique um, nothing particularly wrong with it, but it just kind of felt like a bit rinse repeating. Um, Crazy. But again, this has been my first listen through it. Like you say, it's taken you a few times even seeing them live to actually understand and get it. So maybe I'm just like five, seven, eight steps behind you. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, I can't count apparently. There's six as well in there. You so nearly did five, six, seven, eight yeah. steps. I, I kind of like, <laughs> I could have actually done the whole route there. Five, six, seven, eight. Um, Brilliant. Yeah, I, I'm not there quite yet. I do think they, they they were really good at Burn It Down. First time seeing them live, I think, for me, that I can recall. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not sold. You'll get there. We'll revisit this <laughs> every time we see them live. Hmm. We should have a higher power update. Dan, what did you recommend? We can replace the new segment with the higher power update. <laughs> this is James like James, higher power. You're higher power this month. <laughs> we, or, we could substitute any band for that. Yeah, James, do you like Don Broco yet? <laughs> Based on the last song, fuck no. Does he like him yet? It's got worse after the last song. <laughs> do I like what? That'll be the segment. Is does he like him yet? <laughs> it could be a throwaway segment. that's like we, we can make a jingle for it, and then it's, it's just, like the next no. <laughs> You know yeah. on Harry Hill's TV, but where it'd be like TV of the week, and then it's just like, oh, and then <laughs> just the jingle again. Uh, anyway, where were we? Um, I recommended Origami Angels Somewhere City. I found this very musically interesting. Excellent. Um, I like it when you say that. That's brilliant. It feels, like, <laughs> it feels like a band almost a bit for music nerds. Yeah. In the way that there's so many kind of jarring changes, you have to kind of be aware of what's happening, I think, a little bit. It's not like your most casual listener could kind of dive in, I think. It's almost like you need to have a bit of knowledge of music in order to it, go into this. It's like the Rick and Morty of, of music. <laughs> oh, oh God. And now I, I don't hate know how it. They're taking it. <laughs> um, I, I love how many like different Except changes. the fan base is like normal. Oh, nice. Christ, yeah. Um, I love how many changes in sound and genre there is, just the diversity of it in general. Um I kind of just want to spend more time delving into this anyway because I can't really compare it too much to anything else. It's very unique on its own. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. And Alex will just... All laugh. I can think in my head is, I'm Origami Rick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, loved it. I um, got into them on the other album that I can't remember the name of. Gammy Gang? No. Or the newer one? The newer one, I think. Mm, the newer one's good as well. Um, so it was kind of a bit different for me to, and that unlike just because I'm lazy, I listened to that newer album and not anything else, even though I enjoyed it. So it was like a good excuse for me to just go back and do my homework essentially. 
And yeah, like like you said, it's one of those things. It feels like um, you're kind of like rewarded for knowing what's going on. Does that make like? Do you know what I mean like having a yeah. bit of like like you said? It's kind of for music nerds in a way. It's like it's almost like an in joke to like yeah be in on. In it's a, like in oh, they've used that there yeah. and they've done this. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really like it, and I enjoyed the glimpse that I saw of them live at Trees this year. I don't think I watched the whole set. I can't remember why, but. Yeah, I really, really happening. enjoyed it. Hmm? There was a lot happening. There was a lot going on, yeah. And that was our recommendations for the month. Excellent. New music? New music. So first of all, we've got a brand new song from Tala, Hard Knock. What do you think? It feels like every time you think you've seen Tala as unhinged as they can be, then just take it a step further another level and that's what they've done on this song it's just and straight off the bat as well straight off like from minute from moment one second one it's like straight in with just fast paced music heavy riffs some insane vocal work yeah it's just awesome isn't it and I find that like despite the chaotic energy it does still flow as a song and Mm. I find that like amongst their discography anyway that there is such franticness uh, all over the place kind of feeling of like you're you're pulled in every direction yet it's not jarring it doesn't take you out of the song you're kind of just intrigued and you you kind of get pulled along for this mad journey that you're on which again very unique and not many bands can do something like that I've got nothing to add you both hit the nail on the head sick I mean this came my out only, my only like Gripe? No, not it's not even a gripe. My only reservation is that, like, because Max Portnoy is now playing in Code Orange, is it makes me like almost concerned how much time and attention Tala can get now, because I felt like with Matrifogy, that was like an insanely hot start. Like they really hit the ground running with that album, and it felt like, from my perspective at least, like their momentum was a little bit stunted. I'm partly by that. the partly yeah. by the pandemic and partly by then like that second album for me as well was also a little bit of a step back which makes sense because they said in like an interview that they yeah. wrote that was what was that album called regeneration yeah they wrote that one before metrifogy which like it i think is telling telling when you listen to it so i i did i really really love this band and like they do stuff musically that's ridiculous i think also like from our side in particular we haven't had the chance to see them yeah they haven't toured internationally as much and that's my point is is like yeah they need to get that momentum going and get that fan base first because there is the fan base and then a a promoter will give them a chance Mm. Mm. they have played in the uk before but it was before we were properly aware of them really so i think it was before matrifty released as well i think you're right um so we're very much owed it and i mean i'm as soon as they announce UK tour, I'm snapping up tickets immediately because that, that show would be incredible. Or any festival that books them will, yes. will be there. I beg, please. They'd be a really good fit for um, Dogtooth, like download. Mm-hmm. Really good fit. Agreed. On to the next, we've got Dark Side by Bring With Horizon. See, first time I listened to this through, I was a bit like, oh, is that it? That's the song? But that's because of how kind of crazy and innovative I think, think Bring Me The Horizon have been recently. Every song they've released, it's done something a bit new, something a bit weird. Whereas this is kind of 
not quite stripped back, but it's almost like a bare bones, just simpler song by their standards. But almost safe in a way. Yeah. And I don't mean that as a criticism. No, exactly. Almost like like it's a comfortable. That's that's what I mean. The first listen, it's a bit like, oh, okay, well, that's that's that. And then the more I've listened to it, the more I've kind of got comfortable with it and been like, no, this is just a solid, simple, but solid song. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. It is. It's weird because I find that like post-human survival horror got me back into them. The singles released this year with uh, Lost and Amen haven't really got me, but I think this is my favourite out of these newer releases. And I it, it does show that the simplicity can work. You don't need to overthink things sometimes. Um, it does feel a little bit overly produced at times. I, I feel like that. there's a bit too much yeah. kind of like... Uh, compressing it inwards and like it doesn't have it doesn't have a, as much of a raw sound as I kind of maybe expect from a Bring With Horizon where even if they're going everywhere like it, it's like Ollie's vocals have been tamed it felt like yeah it felt like in that last chorus that's really when it should have gone opened up over, really, over yeah. 100% and it felt like it just hit like 99 I mean, I mean you mentioned the chorus and I, I, I do find that a lot of the Bring Me songs whether I've liked them recently or not as well do have catchy hook choruses Mm. So they they can write songs. There is no doubt that no, no, this yeah. band can really write songs that stick in your head. I just feel like they're... Maybe I enjoyed post-human survival horror so much that now mm. I'm a bit more reserved about Next Gen, which we still don't know when that's being released after the delay. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a better step in the direction, personally, for me, compared to some of the more recent singles. Do we know if Strangers and Die For You are going to be on Next Gen? Because they're written in the same... Lowercase, uppercase, potentially style as all of the other next gen singles like yeah, Amen and see, I, don't, I can't remember if they released a track, track list. Or not. Maybe not. What I, I think if that is the case, if Die for You and Strangers are added in with what else have we had? Lost, Lost Amen, Amen, and now Dark Side. Nice. That's a really I mean, that's five that tracks is a, already. That is a really really interesting mix. And it's very close. Survival Horror was only like eight, what eight songs? Eight nine songs. But I wonder if next year... I mean, I feel like the original plan of four post-human EPs is obviously way out the window. Yeah. I feel like it's going to be like four mini-albums now. Like eight yeah. eight to nine songs a piece. Is, but uh, that is just me purely speculating. And we'll talk more about mini-albums and EPs I later. think also as well, like... Lost, for example, was a song that I hated. And then they played it at download and, I, and it clicked and I was like, oh... This Makes is a sense. song to be in a crowd for. Yeah. Um, and I think, like, I don't know what my point was going to be there. I don't know, just that they, there's been a weird, like, inconsistency, despite them being, like, one of the best bands mm-hmm. alive at the moment. Um, a quick Google search um, suggests there's no official track list yet, but allegedly there's eight tracks. Um, and on genius.com, uh, we already have five of them in Amen, Strangers, Die For You, Lost and Dark Side. Okay, interesting. Three more. Fucking hurry up there. Do we think... Christ. Just prediction time. Do we think by the end of the year it's out? Uh, no, no, I it's think not, January. It's not till next year now. Is it next year? Yeah. At least. When's the tour? January. I think so. I think... Uh, wishful thinking that we get it just before the tour. Because it would feel like a bit of a shame for that tour to happen and then it comes out in like February do you know what I mean yeah so 
We shall see. Fingers and toes crossed. January release. Next up, the last single, we've got Cellar Door by Spirit Box. Alex, you pulled a face. I might be completely alone in this. So, listen, shoot me down in the comments if you disagree. I think everything they've done since Eternal Blue, which I, which, for, by my opinion, is like a really innovative metalcore album, has been pretty... Everything since has been pretty standard. I've not felt... Like the... What was the EP? Like the Red EP? Uh, Rotoscope. That completely glossed over me. I didn't, I, I didn't really connect with that. I agree. But this one but, and this one and... But? Is there a but What coming? was this one called? Salador. Salador. This one and Jaded, the same. I just felt like it's just... There's nothing that's been like crazy to me. I agree. I think like the standout for this one in particular was Courtney's vocals were fantastic. But Always like, are though. That, yeah, we know that's happening. This just doesn't... I don't know how to, else to describe it. It doesn't feel like a song. Like, I can't, like, kind of delve into it and kind of... I can't find the the vibe. I can't find the hooks and, and yeah. what's pulling me into it. it. It's There's all kinds of things here, like you say, with Eternal Blue, like, great album. And you say innovative. There's, there's so much more flow to it, whereas mm. everything since, I don't know, it, it, like that, it hasn't appealed to me. I think there's so much more better metalcore that's been released since then like from like when we've had started having these singles yeah. that yes eternal blue blew them up and we saw like download that tent was fucking packed and that they're packing out crowds and good they've kind of launched themselves yeah. and for the most part fantastic but i agree i didn't enjoy rotoscope as much and i'm still not finding anything that i'm really kind of enjoying as yeah. much as i did when uh, eternal blue tunes came and out. it might be and like i'm trying to be like fair that might also just be that because Eternal Blue was so good, my own personal expectations are really high. Yeah, like talent. And, that, and I could be, I guess they made a deliberate a step away from that. Sure. They? It's, it's, I think it's like we mentioned when we've talked about bands like Movements and Spanish Love Songs recently. They're they're not going to make another Eternal Blue. They're probably not going to make an album. Well, they're, they're not 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 that they're not going to make an album as good as that, but they can't do the same thing and expect it to be the sure. same. Yeah. Kind of standard. Um, so I think they consciously have to take a step in a different direction. Yeah. But um, to bring on to Cellar Door, I I think this song rips. I I love this song. Um, but I don't know if part of that is because of what you guys have mentioned, the kind of uh, almost a sense of relief after the EP and the other singles not being so great and not quite as punchy, to then have this come through and just be heavy as shit with like really great screaming vocals on it yeah um it, it could it could well be that it's just like relief that the other sure. songs weren't that great or at least for me weren't that great um to then have this one be yeah i don't know maybe maybe it's like an illusion that it's not actually as good as i think it is because of how yeah, disappointed i've been by the other songs yeah um, the two but, th- but this song in isolation i fucking love yeah i think it's awesome the two other things i think are interesting to note um or like the two things I want to say. Number one is that I do find it interesting, and this will kind of parlay into what our discussion is, is that Eternal Blue was a fantastic album, and they've followed it with two EPs. And I think that is a smart thing to do, because it, like, Rotoscope was definitely, like, a its own vibe. And I think that The Fear of Fear will also have its own distinct vibe. And I think that's an interesting, like, I don't want to get too deep into it now, but I think it's just an interesting thought process that I would love to pick their brain on and why they've 
decided that EPs now because it in a well, lot of well ways it ties it ties it, into it? our discussion that's yeah. coming up later I guess I'll get to that in a minute and we'll talk about it more next month because and, it's out and, then and the other thing that I that is a personal thing for me and there are some people online people seem quite divided about it online and uh, for me personally is how can you have Josh Gilbert in your band and not have him singing oh, yet come on it feels almost like a sin. The like, harmonies you and, can and, pick and, and between it, him and, and Courtney. It's no, yeah, it's no discredit to Courtney because she's one of the best vocalists. But you also have arguably one of the best clean metalcore vocalists, especially of the 2000s. And, and it could, they could complement each other really well. And like, I mean, Josh Gilbert was a... Are we going to... Can I say the name of Are They Dying? Yeah, I think so. Josh Gilbert was a, was a big part of what I loved about Are They Dying. Yeah. And hearing him singing on those choruses was... I mean... Insane for me. Go back and to like, stuff like it, uh, An Ocean Between Us, that yeah. chorus, it, incredible. And so I, I feel like a sense of like, well, I'm not going to hear Azalea dying again, but I could hear him sing if he just fucking started singing. I can't script. remember who. I think it was a band, uh, I remember now, um, there's a band called Oni, I think, or Oni, right. O-N-I, it's spelled. Mm-hmm. And they had Howard Jones, um, of obviously X-Kill Switch, and they had Josh Gilbert feature on it. So both of them did like singing features. Was that the Jared? Was that the band that Jared Dines did? Yes, I can't remember. I think it is. is. It? Yeah. I think it is. I all I remember is that I I heard the song once. Um, I was like, this is really good. Josh's vocals. I wanted he Howard had a really significant part in it, and Josh has like a bit of a bridge section. So I wanted more, but it did kind of give me that like, I've heard Josh Gilbert vocals again, and like that's. It sounds weird. It's not like. Obviously, after I love for a previous band that he was in, I want to hear his vocals again because I think yeah, they're that's, so that's good. And that's point, yeah. him singing like Matter of Time by Woven War is like my favorite song. And I want to hear his vocals. And so I want Spirit Box to use him. Um, and I, I, oh, I hope so. I hope so. It's, it's like having Messi in your team and sticking him at right back. It's like, <laughs> what, why? I mean, yeah, he it's, could it's, play it, right back. I mean, it's still, it's still score from there. Oh, yeah, true. Anyway. Album time. Album time. The wonderful band of Beartooth. Caleb, thank you very much. You released The Surface on my birthday. Um, yeah. The Pink Era, we're in that now. I'll kick it Gas off. Gas Queen. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, I, I listened to it pretty much straight away on the day. Uh, and I feel like this is an album album. And again, we'll touch on things later when it comes to albums. It's an album album. It's an album album. He's got an album album. I think it just, it works as a collection of songs best. Like some of the singles, fantastic. Like I love Riptide, Sunshine, Doubt Me Still Anyway. However, I think like as a collective, having this all together, it's a great collection of songs and kind of hearing where Caleb is in this moment. Like for me personally... I think, Dan, you've spoken about Wonder Years in particular, about like connecting with certain albums. Maybe it's a bit later. Alex, I want to say you said about Basement possibly before as well. It's probably me as well. Or possibly you as well, and Dan. But uh, having, having those, Amity Affliction. Amity. But having those albums that like you connect to at a certain point in your life with it, hearing kind of like, I want to kind of billet it, maybe Positive Core from Caleb, maybe. Posicore. Posicore, there Posicore, you go. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like, with the Beartooth eras, I can kind of relate to each of them as they've come out. And like for me right now, I, it's, I don't personally want to say it's their best work because I don't think it is. Um, however, being able to relate to a band like this 
and, and hearing kind of where it's at, I'm kind of like, one, just happy for Caleb and two, kind of having that connection with it probably brings my enjoyment to a different level compared to someone just kind of, here, here listen to this album for the first time. So almost like a biased approach anyway, but I do really like this album. Like I say, it's not their best, but I think it works as a collection of songs amazingly well. And Kayla's vocals do sound phenomenal in particular, I think, on this. Like every album, it just sounds better and better and better. Straight away, there's a few, like, almost he's almost using like new vocal techniques that mm. I've not really heard him use before on a few of these songs. Um, I think he uses like a, a growl straight away on the opening track, The Surface, um, which I think was really cool. Um, and again, gr- a great opening track. It kind of... It's full of energy, kind of pulls you in. It does everything you want from an opening track on a metalcore album. But then the first of the problems I have with this album um, lies straight away in that after the surface, you've got Riptide, a single that we've mm-hmm. heard. It must have come out nearly two years ago, right? It's been out for a long I time. I want to say it was last summer. At I least think it was year. last summer. And then we've got Doubt Me, which is another single that we've had for a little while, a, yep. a couple of months, I think. Um, the better uh, the better me, which is a single that came out like right before the album was released, yep. and then might love myself, which is release. a single which was released quite a while yeah, ago, yeah, a couple of days before. Um, and before. then you'll you'll see the pattern here. Then there's sunshine, which <laughs> is this year. a single which yep. which we've had for a little while now. So it's only when you've got practically two thirds through the album, well, maybe just over halfway through the album, where you're kind of getting to some of the like newer, but then you even get stuff. to there was. Um, remind me of name of last song. I was alive. That came out on release day as well. Okay, so, so yes, yeah, like so there's a lot of singles there. One, yeah. two, that three, one four, excuse, five, six singles. It's the same, the same, like again, which, which is happening a lot with a lot of albums. The only, it was the the big critique that we had at the time of the Sleep Token album yeah. was that we were essentially through. you start on release day, you start halfway through, mm. and that takes away from the album experience. And I just think if you're like. It's a tough one, isn't it? Because at the end of the day, they can choose how they track list it and choose what they want as the singles. But think it through. Just separate them a little bit. Because um, I had the same problem with it. I feel like my critique of this album, in a way, doesn't matter because I think the whole point of it is the positivity. Like, yeah. we, we've we spent years listening to Caleb be miserable on record. Mm-hmm. Um and so it's almost like, well, regardless of what I think of the music, the fact that this album even exists is like a joyful thing yeah. for for him and for the band and for a fans. Celebration. But that being said, I think also we can still critique it. not really vibe with it. Like there are things on this album that I don't really fuck with. The song that had Hardy on, what was it called? Uh, the Better May. Great accent. Shit. In my opinion. Yeah, I didn't enjoy that um, one. But, you know, still plenty of bangers. Riptide, Sunshine. Um, I like The Surface. To open up with that straight away, I think yeah. it was a really, really strong song. And and also, like, they're a, f- a fantastic live band. So they're yeah. at the point now where their set list... They, this is what... How many albums have they done now? Is this I want to say this is like five. I think this might be five. We had... I mean, we have the first of all EP... But then we had Disgusting, Aggressive, Disease, Below, and now so, The Surface, so five. So all, all they needed really was anyway like a few songs to add to the set list, which I think this album provides. Oh, definitely. Um, I think 
where this album excels is um, that classic Beartooth formula of a huge chorus. Mm. Uh, to chuck a couple of breakdowns in there, some chuggy riffs, and you've got yourself a Beartooth song. And they've yep. some woe woes maybe some woe woes. We love some woe woes, um, but that that's kind of a compliment and a critique of this for me. Like, yeah, it's a formula that, that seems to work. It's they're enjoyable songs. Um, I think "Doubt Me" is one of my favourite Beartooth songs. Yeah, um, it's incredible. Uh, mainly, mainly because of that chorus, and also because of the positive, like, me- like message behind it as well that we mentioned. And also performance-wise, but but it, it, it's almost getting tired now. It's like they've kind of done this formula for mm. for so long. It's like let's mix it up a bit. I think they're once we get again, we keep tying things up and saying about it. Once we get into discussion later, they're a band that, album-wise, I'm quite happy with where we're at with albums, and I like to see shorter releases in the future now. Um, but what? what it's almost like get on to that. Come on, out maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, Spoilers. And then finally, last album, Blink One Eight Two returned. The classic lineup is back. We have Tom, Travis, and Mark together once more. One more time, some might say. Uh, never necessarily the biggest Blink fan growing up. Always loved songs in particular, but even I can kind of here listening back to this how much of a nostalgia trip it is and almost in a way despite everything that's all, all happened to each of them i think throughout the years a look at us we're here uh, a celebration of everything and in parts always almost as well like a love letter to fans and i think having that interaction between them fans who have wanted this kind of thing to happen and have this reunion um you can see at live shows that are just selling out everywhere. And, and I'm hearing reviews that they're fantastic at the live shows that having this trio back together properly, um, it's it's fantastic to see. And I think this album proves it. It sounds incredible. It feels like you have old Blink-182, but you've brought it into the present time. So it's like what we would have heard anyway if there's a natural transition. And it feels updated. It feels new. Despite obviously having things that we're used to hearing from Blink, so I'm all for it. Um, and it, it's just lovely to see something like this happen, to be honest, especially with all the negativity of things that have happened throughout the years. Yeah. Yeah, I've also never really been that much of a Blink fan. Again, I like the hits, but never really delved too much into it. So they've never never been a band that meant that much to me. But again, the same as James, listen to this album. They've kind of... It's like they've thrown in all the elements that make... Blink one eight two or Blink one eighty two, whatever whatever they want to be called. Um, what it, what it is? Today. Thanks, man. I've been practicing. Um, yeah, it feels like this album kind of pieces together all the elements that makes that band what what it is. Um, it's got the silliness in there on songs like Edging. It's got like the emotional stuff on there on One More Time, um, and then just some fucking great pop punk songs like Bad News for me is mm-hmm. just a great. Fast paced, fast paced pop punk song, a bit of like a neck deep vibe to that one, mm-hmm. which is weird. Almost like coming full circle. It's like yep. Blink One Eight Two inspired Neck Deep, and then I'm the I'm comparing thing. this brand new Blink One Eight Two song to a, to neck to older Neck Deep. Yeah, um, yeah, a, a bit long maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there's some some bits they're trying on there that don't quite work out for me. Like the kind of where they've tried to add some poppier elements and some kind of effects and things on there but 
on the whole, a really, really enjoyable album. And I really, really liked it. Ali. And, think- and they gave me a free T-shirt. Um, so, <laughs> but, I, but I still believe all of those things. <laughs> you, you both sort of summarised a lot of how I feel about this as well. I think, like, the main takeaway I had from both of these albums this month was just, like, joy that we... Sorry, that's my belly. Just, like, joy that we are experiencing these albums in the way that they are like you said there's so much has happened to this band um the fact that we've even got new music with this original lineup is a, like a blessing and again like there's, there's elements of this album that like like dan said there's classic stuff there's emotional stuff fun like everything that makes like a good blink 182 album i i think this is like maybe it's not as good as like take off your pants or Enema, but like, I think it's a really, really, really good Blink One Eight Two album. I think to summarize it, it kind of just feels like it's three friends having fun making music again. Yeah, and that's kind of how it's and that, that's kind of what Blink One Eight Two has always been, I guess. Yeah, not always because Tom left at one point, but yeah. you know what I mean. And I think also as well, like, because obviously there will be people out there who are like younger than us who this might be their very first Blink One Eight Two album. And I don't, and I think it's actually like if that's if this is someone's first Blink album, I think it's a very, very good. It's kind of a definitive one, isn't it? Yeah, agreed. But but also it has like a a maturity that like lifelong fans would would have grown up into. If that makes mm. sense. I've seen clips on like TikTok of like old fans listening to it and like feeling like they're thrown back to it yeah. and like emotionally, but like reacting to it because it's like. Christ, this was my childhood. This is what I grew up with. And we're looking at almost like 20 years later and th- we're kind of almost back to it. And like having that love letter to fans, like I said, it's the re- the resonating with the older fans is fantastic. And I think this is something that newer people, fans of pop punk nowadays can be like, oh, I heard this band influenced my favorite band. Let me check it out. And they won't be disappointed. Upcoming releases for next month. Yes, let's hear them. I'm excited to hear these. Let's break the fourth wall. James has refused to tell me one of what one of the upcoming releases is until we record. So I think it'll be your favourite one. You'll be hearing our reaction live. So on November third, Spirit Box are releasing the Fear of Fear EP. On November third as well, Silent Planet are releasing Super Bloom. Dying Wish are back with Symptoms of Survival on November third, a very stacked date. And on November seventeenth, releasing her forty ninth album, her first rock album, titled Rockstar. It's Dolly it's Parton. Dolly Parton, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the realization on your face, which shows me that's the ninth album. The I'd heard album about you're this. most excited for. I Alex. had heard about this. Yeah. Um, Is that yeah, it's, yeah. I would argue. I wasn't sure she was still alive. <laughs> yeah, she looks good for her age as well. I I would argue, regardless of the genre of music that she's made in the past, that Dolly Parton is already a rock star. Oh yeah. Yeah, let's review it. Was she an inductee into the Hall of she, Fame? Yeah, I believe she is now yeah. in the there Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Royalty. So 49 albums. 49th solo album. That's fucked. Have a day off, love. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Very good for her. I'm excited for that. Which I'm most looking forward to? That one, probably. Dolly Parton. I'm quite a big Miley Cyrus fan. And so Dolly Parton is like... Uh, like Miley Cyrus is Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> if that makes sense <laughs> that, I'm sh- please tell me that makes sense that's good yeah that does make sense they, uh, th- their voices complement each other really well I do want to say I think I haven't looked into this in depth I believe they're like quite a few features 
on this album from like old rock stars and icons, I think. Love that. Like, don't quote me exactly, but people like a Slash in particular or something like that, like older generation. Oh. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm Al- Alex, we know that's your favorite. I, would all, I, I am also very excited for the Dying Wish album. Yeah. But not not as excited as Rockstar. Obviously. Dan? <laughs> uh, Dying Wish, for sure. Um, they're re- a really exciting band. I think they're going to... Well, they're, they're already kind of showing signs of blowing up a bit, really. Um, I think they're kind of the next band to break through, sort of following on following Knock Loose's footsteps, breaking into the mainstream. Probably go viral on TikTok at some point with this new album, and yeah. that'll be it. Um, but also Spirit Box. Um, intrigued to kind of hear the final completed piece of work. I'm I'm kind of intrigued by all of them anyway. Um but I, I kind of want to delve into this Silent Planet one a little bit because I've heard so much stuff about them on social media, like Twitter in particular. And I've kind of not, I don't know, I don't have a reason why I've not listened yet. They seem like they'd be right up your alley. I think they would be. Um, so I kind of want to have this as my first go properly, not listen to anything until the album comes out mm. and really just kind of delve into it and kind of take it in from there. So People raved about, I think I think it was called Iridescent. Yeah. Their previous album. Yeah. People raved about that one. So, but we snoozed on it like a bunch of idiots. So, that's next month coming up. Go have our beauty sleep. <laughs> Gig talk. We went to Mizzoulo's Company Fest. We did. It was a wonderful time. A n- lovely, it was. brand new festival in Bristol for the one day. Just the one day. Just the one day, actually. Um, check out the vlog on the channel now, and we've got a recap podcast on there. Um, had a wonderful time, saw incredible bands, Harriet, Graphic Nature, Envisions. We saw a lot of bands. Like Malice, Excerts, help me, help me. Um, I Raptors. don't know. I want the Raptors, know. yes. South Arcade. South Arcade, yes. Um, oh, I'm uh, losing the track. Menstrual Cramps. The Menstrual Cramps. Um, Come on, Dan, I want to there. Girl, yes. Um, a lot of good bands. Did we mention Witch Fever? No, Witch Fever. Witch Fever, we saw Witch Fever. Basically, it was it was a wonderful day out for a first time festival. Um, we had a fantastic time. It was wonderfully organised. Um, Love is noise. That's another one. Love is noise. Yeah. Love is noise. Yeah. I'm really it's, jealous of that one. In it's one of those festivals again where you're able to just run around and see so many bands in one day. Whether they're bands that you knew before that you want to go and see, or just bands that maybe you've heard about, or bands that you've not had anything about whatsoever and you just stumble into the room and check them out it's it's such a a great way to discover new music and an excuse to kind of see bands that you've been planning to see yeah also um, I, I really love now i mean i didn't go but um i do like that festival season now is like well beyond summer like our, yeah. f- our no, first really festival true. was takedown which ha- again april same vibe was you could literally you could stumble into any room in that I mean, building. I went to a one-day cool. festival in Oxford in February last year. Jeez. This year, rather. So yeah, festival season starting it's not just in, the the d- in the dead of winter <laughs> and continuing through to, to autumn. It's great. Good stuff. Things we love to see. Um, anyway, Still. yeah, we, we covered a lot more of Misery Loves Company in the recap podcast. Um, and if you want to feel like you were there, check out the vlog. And that was the past have, month. Have we done anything else? Is that it? I don't think there's been a... There was so much in the month previous, I think. Mm. It feels like we were mm. off, but no. I, just, I just see Scouting for Girls as well. But I'll just, yeah, I was at the snooker. Pass on that. Alex, how, how was, was it? Yeah, I fucking loved it. Well, I went twice. Um, 
Didn't see Ronnie O'Sullivan there, did you? Didn't see Ronnie O'Sullivan. <clears throat> Pulled out for medical reasons, but he was actually on holiday in Spain. <laughs> Can't be mad. It's Ronnie O'Sullivan. But really enjoyed it. I was front row. I was on the telly a little bit. Waved to the camera. I still need to see this. Uh, I wanted to find me a replay. Watched Mark Selby win six frames to nothing against someone. And I enjoyed it. I love snooker. We'll be going again next year. <laughs> I wonder if it falls on the same weekend as Misery Loves Company again. <laughs> so we discuss things? Well, just one thing. Our album's dying out. Could be. Well, it's weird. We, we've accidentally touched on this subject. Yeah. Like, in the reviews I guess, already. I guess that shows that it is a sort of a constantly relevant thing. Yeah. I mean, we talk about it a lot out of recordings sort of the arguments two and four albums or EPs or just general things like that. I guess we should start with your perspective, Dan, because you also work in a record store. I do indeed. So you maybe Which have a obviously insight. kind of depends on the album format, really, because um, you can't really... Although, yeah, although singles are a thing um, in physical form, it's not really worth the money to kind of get them pressed. And obviously... As a consumer, why are you going to go and buy a single for like a tenner when you can just stream it? Like it's just not going to happen. So I guess from that point of view, albums are important. Um, But also from like a a consumer's and listening perspective, because obviously I buy a lot of vinyl as well. There's just something about just sticking an album on in full and just listening to it, Whether whether that's on a physical piece of music or whether you're streaming it off spotify or youtube or whatever um because there's certain bands as well that are very album driven and will have the track listing will be very thought out um even like side a and side b splits yeah yeah even yeah even the point where you have to flip the record over it'll be like the exact right kind of moment to do it like there might be an interlude song that kind of goes out into the point you just flip it over but yeah, even non-physical, even just if you're just streaming an album, there's so many albums that just work as like a full cohesive piece of art, um, and that doesn't mean that it's not a thing that's becoming less relevant. But to people that just do it for the art, it's it's probably albums are probably the best way to kind of convey whatever sure. message or whatever thing you want to be doing with that piece of music. For a lot of my perspective comes from where's the band at in their career. Um, I feel like maybe just in my head, I feel like a, a four slash five albums deep band. I've probably got enough material there. And if you're only at that point going to be putting out big singles that you've played like into into live gigs, we don't need another full album. Um, I can appreciate that there's probably a drive to do something creatively within that. But then... Not to sound like it's a waste, but then when if you can focus in on those maybe three, four, five songs even more and put all your creative energy into those, I feel like maybe they come out better having all of that creative focus than maybe a 10, 11, 12 song album when you're almost putting it down by a third at that point. Yeah. When you look at a band, like we spoke about Beartooth earlier on, I think Slipknot's a prime example. Um well, even Avenged Sevenfold at this point, like you're looking at these bands who have long, fantastic, maybe great careers, um, and yet one or two, maybe three songs that I push 
get played and put into a live set. Um, great, fantastic, fantastic new songs that you can put into it. But then what's happened to the rest of the album out of that? And I guess, yeah, creative output and all that kind of thing. But then from the consumer point of view, I kind of feel like, well, what's the point of listening to those other songs, especially if we're trying to get someone into a new band? Sure. And I'm saying like, Beartooth, for example, let's say Doubt Me, Riptide, Sunshine, and maybe one other song, four songs, are going to go into their new tour based on this album we just reviewed. If I turn around and say to someone, hey, this is Beartooth's latest album, give it a listen. And they're like, oh, which ones are they going to play live? Oh, just four of them. Sure. Are you going to want to go and listen through a whole album? Because as a new fan, you're not going to feel as invested. Yeah. And then that, that also ties into like, um, I want to circle back to this because I have another point related to what you just said but when it gets to things like that it's easier to just make a playlist of all of Beartooth's absolute best yeah. hits and give that to someone new so it's sort of like the consumer or the way that we now consume music has changed significantly um, but before but we then get at to that, that point that, sorry just to stay on that but then at that point people aren't consuming an album they're consuming a playlist yeah. that's what I'm saying yeah, yeah. That, that's something we'll, that feels like something that's going to come up in a yes. second um Sticking with the point that James made of it depends where a band's at in their career. I think that's a very valid point. It's like you look back to our chat we had with Harriet where we said to them that their their EP, Profound Morality, kind of feels like they're testing the waters and kind of figuring out or like putting together a showcase of kind of what kind of music they can make and what they can do. Um, obviously, amazing EP, or at least we think so. Um, and a lot of people, a lot of other people do as well, clearly. Um but we've always always felt like that sound will lend itself well to an album format. Yeah. Um, which again, the, my point is, they're a band at that point in their career where they're kind of still figuring things out, figuring out what they're going to do with that first album. Um, so for them, that EP was the right thing to do, but they're now finding that an album is now maybe the right thing, the right next step. Yeah. If you see what I mean. And again, the the sound that they do artistically would work really well in the form of an album. Yeah. I think if you just had loads of Harriet singles that you're listening to on shuffle, it wouldn't quite have the same effect as listening to an album in full. Yeah, it's definitely a band-to-band thing as well because, like, Matt from Kubla Khan on the downbeat, he said that moving forward, they were thinking of just doing EPs from now on. And in his own words, it was to, to literally trim the fat. It was like, like James said, why would we put our effort into 10 songs when we could just put all our effort into four or five and make them as flawless as they can be. And I feel like, but I then, feel like but as, then, a, as a fan as well, you can kind of tell sometimes when an album's got filler or yeah, when it's you not. you can for sure. Um, but then on the other hand, there's also bands that are saying things like, we wrote like 25 songs for this album and we've had to cut out 15 of them. I to just put 10 on I hear that kind of thing. I'm immediately mm. worried because I'm thinking like you're you're stretching yourself too thin. Like how good are these songs? Like the likelihood is 25 songs? Fuck. And this is kind of what's making me worried about the last 741 album. It's double albums as well. Like this gets put out and I can rarely think of any double albums that are actually good where both sides land. Because um, when you've got that much material that you're putting your, your focus and your energy into... You're I'm a bit concerned about like, okay, what's actually going to be like top tier and what but, I expect of this band that I enjoy. But then you've got the other factor of if that band's been away for a little while, then they'll have, have had time to refine 
a double album yeah. worth of songs. So again, I think it's like a, a band to band basis kind of thing. I think to to switch to like one big component that sort of is heavily out of artists' control and I think it's a big determining factor is like playlisting and like the basically yeah. Spotify. I mean right? yeah has the, it, has, the main... has it ruined in a, in a lot of ways has made music insanely accessible. The the ability to discover new bands is so easy now. But on the flip side of that there's like almost a compromise that bands have to make for, to their art for the sake of what they're doing for playlisting spots. Like Alpha Wolf, for example, they've said before, like they won't write a song that has like a long fiddly intro because it's not going to get picked people up on get a playlist bored people and skip, skip it. it. So yeah. they, which is fair enough, like, but in, in a way to me, that's like, they're robbing, their sa- they're robbing sound, themselves yeah. of the ability yeah. to to explore a different type of sound because they're writing with the intent of this song's got to kick off straight away. Which, if that's what they want to do, I don't, and I'm not critiquing them for that. I think that's like a, no, a yeah, symptom of a bigger problem. Is yeah. that just the modern day landscape? Yeah. yeah. I mean, look at TikTok, for example. Uh, the reason that app does so well is because you're just swiping through constantly. You're like, and I mean, we're all guilty of it. If a video doesn't, catch your attention within the first thir- not not even 30 seconds like two seconds you're Sorry. like nope i'll watch the next one or no nope, i'll watch the next one and it's the same with music consumption now people stick on a playlist whether it's something that like spotify have curated themselves um, whether it's something a friend sent to them whether it's something they've put together and they'll skip through stuff if a song doesn't grab them within the first couple of seconds it's like nope next song next song so yeah, bands. It's, it will be changing the way that bands are writing music and the way that they're releasing music as well. And also, it it changes the pressure from above. Like if oh record, yeah, labels, record labels as well. Yeah, be, you know, I, and artists have talked about it, that they've had like songs rejected by labels because it's not like catchy enough for TikTok. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And that is tragic. And I think we could get into another discussion at another point about labels in general because you look at big bands like. You, for a Slipknot, for example, who have now gone out of their record label and will probably go independent, the the accessibility to now put your own album on Spotify anyway, you've worked on independently without having any kind of record company behind you. It's a very different landscape than it was five, 10, 15 years ago with this anyway. So that's a, that's a different story. But Well, I think that kind of parlays in because you think like in the 80s and 90s, even the 2000s, bands, it was, we have to get a record deal. We have to get signed by a label in order to do this. Whereas now, do you know what I mean? People can make four songs in their bedroom, put out as an EP, and start playing shows immediately. So it's almost like the the format of, of like traditional albums and traditional like record label like um sort of setups is in a way like becoming redundant to a degree. When you throw it back to times like that as well, the way we consume music now through mostly Spotify, um, compared to buying physical albums, I know you work in a record store with a dance, so you maybe have a more like forefront view of it, but you used to go and buy every album you kind of wanted back in the day in particular. Now there's so many people that will stream it, um, and the, the royalties and the costs for streaming are so minimal and disgusting, they should not be where they are, it should just be so much better than, than how it is. Um, 
I can see a case for bands hopefully wanting to do EPs, to be honest, because you're not going to make money off an album or an EP any different, really, because it's all based on the streaming numbers. Well, also, so you may as well put that attention creatively into a song that's really good that maybe will blow up and get you a million, two million, ten million streams where you'll earn better revenue from that compared to going and maybe pressing a load of albums, vinyls, whatever, that maybe wouldn't sell as well because people are more tempted to go via streaming services. I think it also parlays into like the biggest like bands of so many bands say it now the biggest money earner is merchandise specifically on tour that the idea for like an up and coming band to hunker away for six months to make an album and lose out on all that touring time is like it could be like make or break for bands whereas if you're only doing singles and eps you can be in the studio for two weeks what a month like and essentially tour almost the year round and you're constantly do you know what i mean then essentially as far as like a business decision goes you're probably making a better judgment for your band by dropping regular rather than like going away for six months to make an album but then the flip side of that is then you get bands that you get sick of seeing like oh, i don't want to name any i'll name one like static dress i knew you were gonna say static dress we saw them i personally feel too many times in a year and like yeah I could have just not gone to their set at download or not gone to their set at outbreak. But th- that's not the point. The point is they were like unavoidable to a degree. Um, Sorry, I was suppressing a yawn a bit there. No, that's cool. And, and also... It helps and, and hinders a band, doesn't it? Yeah, that's my point. And also like, I guess the flip side to my own argument there is there's also an excitement about seeing a band on an album cycle. Like for example, While She Sleeps, who we've seen on what, their last four album cycles. And every time, like the excitement for us is like, there's a bunch of new songs added to add to the set list, and we're, it's interesting to see how that's going to change the dynamic live, and it makes it feel like a sort of like a like a momentous like returning event, like year on year, or do you know what I mean? Every two years, you're seeing that band grow. I get there's not really a point to what I'm saying. Do you know what I mean? I'm kind of arguing both sides of that argument. Yeah, like, for sure. Because I can see why bands would see it in different ways. I think before we move on too far from it, I want to raise a counterpoint to James's point about earnings. Um, in that buying physical albums is still a much better way for money to get to a band than streaming is. Um, yes, there's still a lot of people with kind of their fingers in the pie, like record labels, promoters. Obviously, the record store takes a small cut as well. Um but that money still physically goes to sure. um, the band in some form or another. Streaming, they they do get some earnings from it, but you've got to get a hell of a lot of streams to be able to see like a decent turnover from it. Um, like you've got to be like almost like Adele levels to like be able to live off the streaming money. Mm. So yeah, yeah. I think, in my opinion, like almost as a summary, streaming's great to kind of as like a marketing tool to kind of get your name out there as a band sure um like get into playlists get into like featured things featured stuff all the time turn up in like the algorithm and things i've discovered so many bands from like the spotify radio feature yeah um but in terms of earning money the streaming just isn't really a viable thing for the majority of artists um 
there's there's not loads of money in physical copies either like Alex said the money really is in touring and in merch um but back to the album kind of thing um in terms of streaming versus versus physical physical copies do do earn better and obviously like I said bands aren't releasing singles in like in a, in a physical form because it's just not viable and I guess like as well if if you were a band who let's say for example over the course of a year well like of mice and men for example right when they did that album by w- that was split up into like three eps okay we talked about them all year we listened to pretty much every song from the album and then at the end yeah. of the year we had a full album that and and i i felt like positives and negatives to that in the sense that well if they're going to release like a like a vinyl, they might as well put three EPs together. But then they did. The enjoyment of listening to an album on release day was hindered because it was like, well, I'm just listening. Yeah. But maybe that's this. more than from the the like Dan saying there, people don't yeah. release singles on on CD or vinyl. That's more like the album releaser. That's like the fan that yeah. wants to get those. You can tell by that that they're, they're not focused on revenue from streaming yeah. you know that but that's what and i'm saying fair, is like do you think a band do you think it would be viable for a band to drop 10 singles in throughout a year and then at the end of the year just put them all on i well, would rather well, have I, was, that. I was gonna say um sleep token with sundowning are you not aware of the the release every every kind of two schedule? weeks isn't it? um I've, sundowning yeah um yeah but every, every i think it was every every two weeks or something um from I can't remember the dates, but from like February through to September, they released a single like every two or three weeks at the exact time, oh, at like the sunset. Oh yeah, like sundowning. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there'd just be one every couple of weeks. Um. Obviously, it kind of gives you the time to take in each song, kind of thing. And then at the end of it, they're like, "There's your album. It'll be released. It'll be released physically on this date. But for now, you've got it." And for like in what a, you said, do you think that form. could be a model that I think could work uh, long term? I think bands? again, it depends on the band. You've probably got to have built up some kind of following at some point um, before you you commit to doing that. But and again, Sleep Token is so unique in the way that they market themselves as well. Like they almost did a similar thing with the new album because they because they released so many singles before the album came out, and they seem to just be coming out randomly. Um, and I mean, we were there for it. Everyone was just losing their shit every time they released a song, and it kind of helps them blow up, I guess. Not just from being great musicians and a great band, but from that kind of marketing strategy as well. To bring it back to what you said about Of Mice and Men, a band that, in theory, being metalcore, I should love anyway. I'd never delved into properly until hearing all those releases last year. Off the back of all of that, I've then become a fan and have started delving back. So for their strategy to try and pull someone new in as an older band as well, it worked. And I know other people as well who now listen to them and have gone back to older songs because of that. So as a strategy with that in in releasing these multiple things throughout the year, here's a couple of singles and there's your three track EP. Now here's another couple, here's your three track. It was very easy and digestible to be able to delve into the band and for me, it didn't matter about the payoff at the end in particular about, okay, then this makes your album at the end of the year in November, December. That didn't matter because at that point I'm sold on the band and it's getting me to go back and listen to other stuff. And it gets me to, they're playing Oxford later this year. We've got tickets to go to it. It 
it's a different way of being able to be introduced to a band, whether they're new, whether they're old. That release schedule for me worked. And so being at the forefront in a different way compared to like Static Dress always being there live, being at the forefront of releases like this, they were constantly talked about like we did last year and it worked. So I think it can work and kind of like maybe tying it all up, like kind of our albums dying. Kinda. Perhaps there's like a, a there is the vinyl resurgence that's coming through with it. But yeah, I, think I was, was you... going to raise that point as well. There does seem to be like a, a not quite a niche, but a, a group of people that are kind of seeing the value of physical music again and yeah. kind of getting into that side a bit more. And I think really it comes down to uh, what the vibe of your band is and what the vibe of your fans is as well. Because um, if you're a band that like prefers to just make a full album, then you're likely to have fans that prefer to listen to a full album, really. Um, and the same if it's the other way around, if you prefer to put out EPs and singles all the time, then you're probably appealing to an audience that like playlisting and like just listening to singles more more so than an album. Um, or if they do listen to an album, they're probably going to pick a few songs out they like and then those are the ones they'll revisit. Um, like, for example, The Wonder Years. The Wonder Years. I, literally, um, I had that in my head. <laughs> like they're a much bigger band than their monthly Spotify listeners will suggest. And I, that's because um, they've said themselves, they do quite well on vinyl. Their, mm-hmm. their fans are like vinyl guys. They like, they like collecting stuff. They like physical copies. Whereas you'll have other bands that are doing absolute bits on Spotify that won't sell that many physical albums. And I think it's just based on, like I said, what your band's like and what your fan base is like as to what their preference is. And also there have been instances as well where there are bands that like have insane Spotify numbers and then live they do not draw a crowd. Mm-hmm. Or they'll, I know that's or they'll draw a crowd for like the one or two songs that do really well on streaming for them. Um, and then that crowd might, if like if they play one of their songs early on in their set, that crowd might just disperse and go somewhere else. But as we've discussed ourselves anyway, that's possibly also a link to social media, which could be a oh, whole different time, discussion yeah. in itself yeah. anyway. Um, wrap up. And I, I know that, yeah, I, I know that the point of this isn't really to have an answer to the question. I don't think there is. I think there is. I know that there is. But do you think that 10, because things have changed so much in the last five years because of things like TikTok and Spotify. Do you think that in 15, 20 years time, we could be at a point where albums are literally a a relic. I don't think so. I think there'll be another revolution like the way streaming services is is now. Cassettes are coming back, baby. I think also... Cassettes are coming back. I think think it's also genre specific because if if you're a pop artist and no discredit to you, like you're going to just want to churn out singles because why would you? Unless you're like Taylor Swift or Olivia Rodrigo where people are rabid enough to listen to a full album. I don't think there are that many pop artists where people are going full album. Mm-hmm. I might be wrong. Whereas I do, I do think, and I don't mean this to sound like an, in an arrogant way, but I think we're in a subculture of music where people are more willing to go for a full album. So I think within yep. heavy and alternative music, it will always be there. But for pop artists, it might be a thing of complete thing of the past and, years to come 
Interesting to ponder, though, isn't it? That was a very good discussion, I thought. Yeah, let us know in the comments what you think about albums. Do you still enjoy them? Are you a playlister? Do you think TikTok has rotted everyone's brain? The answer is yes. And before we go, should we recommend some new albums? Well, yeah, speaking of speaking albums. Speaking of albums... I am going to recommend an oldie but a goldie that's been re-released. Green Day have done a 30th anniversary edition of Dookie. In specific terms, I want to just say about Dish 2. Um, you're hearing four track demos, old other demos of these songs, cassette demos, I think it is. Um, it's amazing to hear how these iconic songs started and then changed throughout the years. Um, in particular, I'll say listen to the four tracks of When I Come Around and Basket Case because the When I Come Around is amazing to hear the transition of what it becomes. Basket Case is a wildly different song than how it finished. So check out disc two of Dookie 30th anniversary. I'm going to let Alex go next because I've got a dilemma. I'm going to recommend a bit of a curveball. It's not that bit much of a curveball. Um, I never really got around to listening to Turnover's latest album. I'm a, you know, I've got a pair of ears. I'm a fan of Peripheral Vision. I'm not an idiot. And I really... That, that was so Brent. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> if Brent was emo. If Brent was emo. Look, if you're an emo, everyone loves Peripheral Vision. I also really enjoyed Good Nature and I like Altogether. But I didn't listen to the latest one, which was last year as I'm looking at it. Can you believe that? Can you believe there was a limited dinked edition on vinyl? Was there. This guy knows. Always selling. Um, it's Myself in the Way by Turnover, last year's album. I never got around to it. So, that was a natural Libre quote. Haven't got around to it, all okay. right? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that. that. I don't think James is going to like it. Um, but I've got I've got two in mind. Um, I think I want Alex to pick which one I'll go for. We can go for one that James is, I think James is going to love. Um, and one that, could be a bit more interesting. He, I don't think you'll hate it, but one that I'd be intrigued to hear his thoughts on. I'm so interested. So basically, a guaranteed James is like, "Hell yeah, I love this." And one that could be a a shock or not okay. so much of a shock. Go on then. I'll, oh. I'll pick whichever one you don't pick. I'll just pick next month. Okay, all right. I'm torn because I've already given him a struggle by recommending That's true. that turnover album. Sure, we go easy on him. So maybe if we go easy on him this time. And then, and then next give time. him a curveball next yeah, time because okay. that'll be like to wrap up the year. Nice. Maybe. Um, I'm going to go for one, a recent release that we haven't covered on the podcast. Um, it's Svalbard's The Weight of the Mask. Oh. Their, their last album they released in 2020 um, was fucking excellent. It was near the top of a lot of people's album of the year lists. Um, and I have a feeling that this one might be as well. And I think James will love it. Bit of you. I've never listened to him. Bit of you. Ever e listened to it. Excellent band. I could not name you a song, so... Bit of you. They're a bit, they're a bit proggy. Um, they've got a bit of a um, uh, Death Heaven vibe. Um, okay, I'm intrigued. So yeah, I'm, 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 I'm excited. Death Heaven, I'm going to listen to it on the way home. Okay. Death Heaven album or that one? This one. Nice. Maybe Death Heaven when I get home. Well, that was episode 34. Thank you for I'm now. Tr I'm trying because last time we said the Larry Bird episode. I'm now trying to stop myself from saying it's the just saying a different episode. basketball player. Every who, 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 yeah, 
But this That's was two Celtics in a row. We can take that. This was the Paul Pierce episode. This was. Is there a racer that wears thirty-four? Thirty-four. I don't think there is. No. Shame. Never mind. The Paul Pierce episode. The Paul Pierce. I can't episode. think of a football that wears thirty-four either. Off the top of my head. It's not a number. Yeah. Well, it's not as an even number. <laughs> For fuck's sake. Anyway, thank you for getting this far at least. Just like accidental Brent all the Christ. time. Like, comment, subscribe, all the usual stuff. Let us know your thoughts on the discussion. Our album's dying out. Talk to us. We love to see uh, discussion happening between yourselves. I just hearing all your opinions because it makes it fun for all of us. Um, trying to think what we've got coming up next month. We've got straight from the path. Yeah, we do. Um, I'm at holding absence. We've just recorded uh, another episode of a perfect gig with Jesse from Dream State. That was wonderful. Great episode. Which will probably be out pretty soon. So check that out for sure. And like we said, we kind of had we had Miserless Company. We mentioned go back and watch that vlog. And at that point, just go and watch all the festival. Yeah, you might as well just recap festival just season. Watch it all. There will be a lovely playlist in there that I'm telling Alex now to make. That's going to have all the festival season on there. Um, Cheers. Go back to it, take down, slam dunk, download, trees, burn it down, burn Misery Loves Company. I think that's all of them. I hope I haven't forgotten any. I think that's the, it. The cold nights are drawing in. Go back and reminisce on some good warmer time. Well, it wasn't even that much warmer, was it, this summer? But uh, It yeah. fucking was at download. Oh, download, you yeah. To, you had to waterboard Alex. It was wet everywhere I else. I was waterboarded and I'm sure I passed out from heat stroke <laughs> while who was playing? Soul Glow. Fell asleep. At download during Soul Glow set, pure heat stroke. But go and, yeah. go and see it in the vlog. <laughs> it was good fun. It was good fun. Like, subscribe, comment, all the usual stuff. A lot of good things coming your way. Um, some new special things coming as well. So stay excited. Stay tuned. It's alright. Stay metal. <laughs> <laughs>